TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. TGIF Score North Faithful and Scoop Podcast Faithful. This is episode 267 on this 22nd of November. Let's waste no time. Let's get to former Gophers captain, former Gophers offensive lineman. He is the pride of St. Paul. Like, if you do anything in St. Paul, you know this individual. He's one of my favorites. Let's preview tomorrow's Gophers Northwestern game with him. Let's review the loss in Iowa City. Talk all things Gophers football with Ray Hitchcock. Ray, always great to catch up. As painful as last Saturday was, I was there for Pete's sakes, and it's been a long time since the Gophers have won in Iowa City. We have to go way back to 1999. I suppose the saving grace, Ray, is everything is still sitting there for the Gophers taking. Like, if they win tomorrow at Northwestern, they win November 30th against Wisconsin, then they win the Big Ten Championship game against presumably Ohio State, I can promise you, Ray, they will be one of the four playoff teams, right? So they still control everything that they want to happen this year. You bet. And, you know, as we discussed early last week uh, after the Penn State win, that we knew it was going to be a challenge in Iowa City. It's a very difficult place uh, to, you know, to win football games. Games at Kinnick has always been a, a tough place for Minnesota to get a victory. Hard to get to um, coming off a huge, um, you know, um, win against Penn State the week before. Uh, difficult task to travel down there, Big Ten road game. And so, um, you know, we kind of knew it was going to be difficult. I think they'll rebound. Uh, you know, this game, just looking at uh, at what's occurred uh, with Northwestern season, you know, they've been in some games, uh, lost to Wisconsin by uh, nine, Nebraska by three. And, you know, I think, you know, we, if we just go down there and throw our hats in the rings, I think we could be in trouble. This guy can coach. Obviously, they're two and seven or two and eight, whatever they are, and it's, it hasn't been a great season for them. But uh, you still have to go on the road in a Big Ten environment. There won't be a lot of people. I will see seeing where the tickets are selling for six bucks a piece. Um, so, but PJ will have them right. They'll travel well. Um, bring sixty guys down there. Uh, a little concerned over the quarterback situation. I think they'll go with Seth Green uh, if it matters, which it does obviously, and uh, and turn around and hand it off to those three good tailbacks. Well, you know what? Let's pick up what you just said. Let's pick up the latter part of what you just said on the quarterback situation. My belief is, Ray, that Tanner Morgan is going to play, but I also say in the same breath that brain injuries, what he has, a concussion is a brain injury. Brain injuries are tricky. Like maybe he's good to go tonight, but then he wakes up tomorrow morning and he's groggy. So you never fully know. But I guess on Tanner himself, how important is he? And if he can't play tomorrow, how big of a loss is that? Well, I certainly think that uh, he's the leader of the football team on the offensive side for sure, and he's had such a great season. You know, you look at his leadership, uh, much needed uh, on Saturday, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, we'd love to have him back, but you're right, those those concussions, you're in the concussion protocol that, you know, you want to sustain two or three good days of having your head cleared. You can't have a step, uh, you know, a setback. Uh, you know, if you're starting to feel well and all of a sudden you, you feel crappy again, that's not how you want to go out on a football field. And, you know, they'll, they'll obviously evaluate them today um, and uh, and see if they're going to put them on the flight for tomorrow. So you think, though, if he doesn't go, that we might see Seth Green in more than the Wildcat? 
Yeah, I would think so. I mean, just because, you know, he's got quarterback experience now, not a lot, but he can, you know, he handles the ball well. He's, you know, the size of the kid is, is, uh, is such an asset to him. And, and it's a game that I think if we can, if we show up ready, which PJ will have him, I just think it, it's a, it's a day, Big Ten football, you run the ball. Um, we don't need to zing it all over the place. We can get up in, in too tight to the offset wing and just get after them and, and see if they can hold up. Um, you know, they'll, the, they'll probably be more Minnesota fans there tomorrow, uh, uh, tomorrow than, uh, there will be, uh, uh, Northwestern fans. So, um, but I think he could carry the load and, and do a great job. I think the, the, the critical point, uh, for the game is to get Dunlap back. I think he really, his injury last week and not having him at guard, um, it was a, was a difficult, uh, uh, made it a little bit harder for our guys up front. And, uh, I've seen the, the depth chart here. And uh, looks like obviously he's on there, but uh, uh, we'd love to have him back. Uh, certainly playing uh, playing uh, here on Saturday. Yeah, I mean I'm with you. I mean Curtis Dunlap, I think has NFL potential in a couple of years. Very yeah, I mean I think player. he is yeah. an NFL player. Yeah, I mean that surprised me. I mean I guess I just didn't even check about the offensive line. That surprised yeah, me as pregame on Saturday in Iowa City that all of a sudden he's not out there in uniform. Right, and you know the continuity with that group has just grown every week, and that's really the first. Uh, I know they shuffle; they're playing six, so they are shuffling a, a six man. But uh, it's um, uh, the continuity that they've had uh, was really building, and uh, you know, that's uh, that's such an important part of playing that position. On Seth Green, I mean, I remember him at Eastridge High School. You know, then he you transfers down. Against Creighton Durham, you know, yeah, I mean, he can throw the football. He can zing the sure football. Can. I mean, yeah. I remember, yeah. you know, sophomore, junior year at Eastridge. I mean, Ray, he can, and we're talking about Ray Hitchcock. I mean, Seth, if needed, can throw the football. He's only thrown a handful of passes in his right. Gophers career. But, like, even if Tanner's good to go tomorrow, Ray, you know, Seth is going to be out there. They run the Wildcat enough. I'm open to Seth actually attempting a pass or two. Yeah, no question, and and that can't hurt long term. Uh, you know, the, the maturity. He's got to be at this point 21, 22 years uh, old, um, and so he's got some some age age on him, which I think is important. And he knows the significance of the game. It's uh, uh, he protects the ball and. and you know, just doesn't uh, don't try to overdo it. Uh, get out of there with a win and get back to uh, Minneapolis. My sense is the message on campus this week, Ray, was because now at this point they are in Evanston. They arrived at their team hotel yep. a couple hours ago, but that the message was, you guys. This from PJ Fleck to his team. You guys are playing the Big Ten West champions, right? That no is question. the message. So even though yep. Northwestern hasn't done a thing this year, I think that's been Fleck's message. That, hey. Don't sleep on these Wildcats. They That's did right. play for the Big Ten Championship just a year ago. Yeah, and the guy can coach, obviously. Uh, he's been there a long time. And, you know, they're, they're well coached at every position. They've had success. We, you know, I've been down there in Evanston where uh, all of a sudden, you're midway through the first quarter, you're down by eight, nine, ten points or whatever it is, and it just seems like it never, uh, you, we never, we try to crawl, uh, crawl back and, and, and never have much success down there. I think they've won the last two. And, you know, so it's a huge football game because it 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 certainly lessens if you if you take a loss down there, it certainly lessens the impact uh, for the following Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean, in fifteen, the Gophers didn't score. In seventeen, PJ Flex first year, the Gophers didn't score. I'm talking about the games in Evanston. Then you think right. about the Wildcats coming here last year. You know, like going back weeks, we talked about like over a fifteen game stretch, the Gophers were thirteen and two, right? You know, now yeah. you add another loss with the Iowa loss, but like one of those two losses as we were going along the way here 
was to Northwestern last Correct. year. Like you think about the Purdue win, you know, then you think about the Wisconsin win at the end of last year, then the bowl win over Georgia Tech, but there was a loss there in November to these Northwestern Wildcats. In fact, Tanner Morgan struggled mightily in that game last year. Right. Uh, critical, uh, critical to, to be prepared and, and, uh, just you cannot let this one because you don't want to turn one loss uh, from last week into uh, into two. And uh, PJ will do a good job. He's got that. He's got a, a, a good control of that football team, and and they're starting to really. They've been around each other enough now, where everybody kind of knows each other and, and the tendencies. And uh, it's going to be. Um, I think we'll play well. I think if it if it's uh, you get up on them early, I think they might turn the bus on. On PJ, you've developed a good relationship with him. Sure, you gave the you captain's bet. message before the Penn State game a couple weeks ago. What makes PJ such a good coach, such a good person? I mean, it seems like those guys, I mean, we did an interview with Rashad Bateman the other day. You know, there was there was a moment at the end of the Penn State game where Bateman and Fleck embraced for a while, just you this bet. long yeah. hug. And Bateman told us, I mean, flat out, he loves PJ, that PJ was there for him when Rashad's uncle passed away in August, sure. that PJ was the guy more than anybody else that was there for Rashad. I mean, it seems like the genuineness of the players, their connection to P.J., P.J.'s love for the players, the reciprocal nature of that love, the players with P.J., I mean, it seems like it is incredibly genuine. No question, and I think it's reflective, Doogie, in their play, on how they address the game itself, how they address preparation. It's a disciplined football team. They they are such a unit inside the walls that, um, you know, it's it's a very tight group, uh, and they 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 like and love each other, including the staff. And I think that's why you know they play uh, as well as they played this season with uh, with uh, uh, you know having the su- success that they have. But I think P- uh, PJ is a genuine person, um, and and we can read people if if you sense that there's not you know if it's uh, if it's not there, and and it's certainly there with him. And I think he. Uh, makes it a point of, of, you know, once he gets these guys on campus, their experience, uh, you know, this is a, he's constantly recruiting the players he already has, uh, so their experience is good and, or even better. And I think that's something that's special about him. And, you know, he's got, um, you know, the resources over there have been, you know, provided and, and he's, he's the, he's the right leader for the football program and, and for years ahead. I mean, the recruiting that he's doing, uh, the players were getting on campus. They just look different, and uh, and that's that's why you know uh, our success is 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 happening is because we're uh, attracting top players, and uh, you know the players that are here and the players that he's getting want to play with good players, and PJ understands it, and uh, he's given you know guys opportunity here to get the NFL. I know there's a, a lot of NFLers that are on this roster, um, and and that's encouraging because the talent level has increased. So. Uh, the sincerity of PJ, the way he treats his players, I've been around him and, and uh, him and the team, and it's uh, it's a very tight group, and and, and it's reflective, obviously, with the uh, you know nine and one um, uh, record. Continue our conversation with former Gophers captain, former Gophers offensive lineman Ray Hitchcock. All right, the negative on PJ, the game management in Iowa City, Ray. I just I didn't understand all yeah, those well, decisions. The fifty-yard field goal, Ray. We knew. We knew going back many, many weeks that they don't have a kicker. It's unfortunate. They're not yeah. the only college program that doesn't have one, but they don't have a kicker that can make a 50-yard field goal. I'm not quite sure they have a kicker I trust from 40 yards out. So he tries the 50-yard yeah. field goal. He called the timeout to think about the decision. Then he decides to kick a 50-yard field goal. Right, that was that was nuts. I would have gone for it at the end of the first half. 
you know, first and goal or whatever it was, two-yard line. They have a chance to run a play with, what, four seconds left. He takes the field goal. That's defendable. I'm just saying I would have gone for it. Yeah, and at the end of the game, I would have kicked it deep, not gone with the onside kick, but I understand it. He's trying to maximize the opportunity to get the ball back. But how about wasting the timeout before the Rodney Smith touchdown? Wasting the timeout? They have the ball at the one-yard line. The clock is ticking. They need to burn a timeout there. Like, just run a play. Run a quarterback sneak. So they're just there were some game management issues last Saturday that really bugged me. Yeah, but I think you know what we've got. You know that that's uh, part of it, and and you know whether or not he'd want to take those back or not. Uh, I just think that you know we move ahead on to on to Northwestern uh, Iowa was we knew it was going to be tough down there, and uh, you know the, the the game fire that's going on. It might have been a gut feeling why he wanted to do it. You just never know. So. Um, you know, it's a much different world on the sidelines than, than uh, uh, really anywhere else on the, you know, with the decision making. So it's, it's, um, you know, I defend them, I guess, and that's, uh, we just continue with, uh, with this week and, and uh, get down there and play well and, and then have a game that really matters here in two weeks. As a proud alum, how much are you enjoying just the level that the program is at now? Like you think about Tuesday night when the, when the football rankings, the college football rankings are, are announced, you know, ESPN does, does the big show, six o'clock central, and there's Kirk Curb Street and Reese Davis. And I mean, they're having legitimate debates about, you know, how yeah. far should the Gophers fall, right? And they only you fall bet. a couple spots to Tim. But like, how much fun is this to have the Gophers in the national conversation? Well, and it's, it, it, because it's a conversation, you know, throughout the day to day in my business day. It's uh, probably talked about it four or five times. That'll build tomorrow. And, and uh you know as we watch the game and it's uh it's just uh it's a it's a fun time to be to be a gopher fan and my daughter's a, a sophomore over at minnesota and uh hanging around her uh, group group of friends that's all they're talking to they're they're very excited about uh, uh um, you know the rest of the season and possibly a trip uh, for the big ten championship and uh, a very good bowl game would you agree that there's no way that the Badgers lose tomorrow to Purdue? So regardless of what takes place do. tomorrow, I, I think, Gophers think, Northwestern, that, yeah, that Minnesota Wisconsin's for the Big Ten West. Yeah, they'll get after uh, get after Purdue. I think uh, in looking at the games, uh, I think Indiana's going to beat Michigan uh, outright in, in Bloomington. So that's uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess that impacts the the rankings. I don't know how much it impacts you know what will take place in a no, couple weeks in Indianapolis. Be, I think Indiana. I watched Indiana play last week, and boy, that's not a bad football team. No, no. I, no, actually, I, I think the Gophers caught a break, not you know, not having to play Indiana this year. Right, that's correct. Um, but I don't see uh, Wisconsin wins, and then uh, we do our part, and then uh, quite a matchup. I, uh, uh, I think again, uh, if you get up on these guys early, I think we'll have success. Yeah, and I mean, I guess what I'm getting at, Ray, is even if the Gophers lose tomorrow to Northwestern, they shouldn't, but let's say they lose, it still sets up the Big Ten West championship game. As long as Wisconsin wins tomorrow, regardless of what the Gophers do tomorrow, as long as Wisconsin wins at home against Purdue, they are heavy favorites, that sets up November 30th, TCF Bank Stadium, 230 game on ABC, Gophers against Badgers for the Big Ten West Championship. Like right. that's as good as it gets. That is, and and you know, it's just uh, the the excitement's there, and uh, you know, games that matter, uh, you know, in November. That's why these guys come to school here, and the big time guys want to play in these things. They don't want to, they want to, they want to play these kind of games uh, with with major uh, uh, importance. Uh, that's uh, from a football standpoint, it doesn't get any better. You're right. 
How much was it a benefit to have Kamal Martin back? I know Iowa scored oh, I think a lot. three touchdowns, snap I, of the fingers, but I mean, second half defensively, the Gophers were great. Yeah, he's a good player, and you know, you and I talked about that. Uh, you know, because he missed two weeks, and and that uh, to have him back, he's a Sunday guy for sure, and um, to get him back and and playing well, and I think that's uh, that certainly helps. And if we can, as we talked. Um, about Dunlop. If we could get him back, I think we'd have our full deck of cards. Ray, thank you for doing this. Enjoy the game tomorrow. You bet, buddy. Thank you. I always love talking to Ray Hitchcock. Now, no guarantees. The Gophers do a phenomenal job of keeping medical information under wraps. I can just tell you, because I said this when I filled in on Score North Live on Wednesday, that the belief is that Tanner Morgan will be okay. And I do think they would play him even if he doesn't practice all week or if he didn't practice all week because he knows what he's doing. He's got the experience. He can do his homework, all that good stuff. Now, brain injuries are incredibly tricky. I think sometimes we forget that concussions are an injury to the brain. So he has a brain injury. So you never know, even tomorrow morning, how he'll be when he wakes up. But the belief was from somebody that had some correspondence with Tanner going back to Sunday, the day after the Iowa game, the Iowa loss, that Tanner told this individual that I know that he thinks he'll be okay. So because he was optimistic, I'm optimistic. But, yeah, I think Ray brings up an interesting point that this game has such meaning because the Gophers are still alive, Rose Bowl, national playoff picture. They need to win tomorrow. You can't lose tomorrow. Even though I'm saying even if they lose tomorrow, they'll still play for the Big Ten West Championship. Looking even bigger picture, they need to win tomorrow. You know, it doesn't make sense if Tanner Morgan can't play to put Jacob Clark or Cole Kramer in there. Now, I actually think one of those guys would end up taking some snaps. But, yeah, I guess I would not be shocked what Ray brought up if Seth Green maybe took some convention staffs or they went a little bit more wildcat just because he's done it he's got the experience and the game means so much would you throw a true freshman into the fire with so much meaning behind the game but let's all hope that my intel happens to be spot on but injuries are tricky i mean my intel might be okay tonight and as i indicated i mean who knows how morgan wakes up tomorrow but the indication on sunday was that tanner thought he would be okay Two NFL teams will have scouts at tomorrow's game, I'm told. The Broncos and the Giants. So the NFL evaluation of gophers like Antoine Winfield Jr., yes, I do believe he is going pro, Tyler Johnson, Kamal Martin, Carter Coughlin, Williamson, the cornerback, and others continues. So, yeah, a couple NFL teams will be at Ryan Field in Evanston tomorrow. Let's continue the Gophers theme in this segment, Scoop Podcast Episode 267, right here on Score North on 1500. My colleague Chris Long from the TV side, Channel 5 Eyewitness Sports, caught up with Rashad Bateman earlier this week. I alluded to that conversation during my conversation with Ray Hitchcock. Here is that conversation, Chris Long with Rashad Bateman. just want to ask about your relationship with Tyler, just sort of coming up with him and things you've learned with him, and now just sort of you guys have been this amazing dynamic duo that's kind of wrecking defenses nationwide um me and Todd it's like my OG my big brother um I remember like before I even got to campus when he was playing and I was a little senior in high school I would text him just like wish him good luck on the game that weekend and um things like that but ever since I've been here he's been open to me with open arms and he's just my big brother so we're, we're pretty close how does that work? I mean, receivers want the ball, and there's only one ball, and you guys both have shown you deserve the ball. How does that work with you guys being both so good and, and putting up the numbers you put up? It just takes uh, two people, well, not even just two people, the whole group just being unselfish, and it's really just doing what's best for the team. Coach Soraka uh, called the plays, and, and we make the plays, so we're just doing our job. Are you guys the best wide receiver one-two punch in the country? <laughs> in my opinion, I think so. 
Uh, question was asked earlier, but I'll ask you again. Just being a sophomore, being a semifinalist for the Boletnikov Award, what can you say about that? When I got the news, it, it was it was kind of shocking. It was truly a blessing, but like it's kind of crazy because Ty's not on that list, and I'm like, why is Tyler Johnson not on that list? He, he, I feel like he should have been over there before over me. So, but um, it's 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 a blessing to be able to, being able to represent U.S. Minnesota and um, my teammates and my family and everybody to help me get along this uh, journey. It, it's special. What's it been like riding this wave this year? I mean, it's still going, but what, what's it been like these last three months? This year's been, it's been a fun year. You know, I guess winning always makes it better, but just being with these boys every day, those are legit my brothers, and just going to work and paying off, paying off on the weekends just makes the season even better. I mean, this is what you came here for, but how hard was it? You've been asked this question before. You make the decision to come here, and Georgia comes out of the woodwork, and they're the big school right up the road. How hard was it making that decision and then looking back on that decision? How do you feel about it? I mean, it was tough, and it wasn't tough at the same time. So um, just being here, um, I believed in Mark Coyle's vision and um, Coach Fleck's vision, and I believed that one day that this, this program would turn into a powerhouse, and I believe that it is starting to turn in that direction. And um, and I look at my decision now, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm happy with it. All right, so scouting report I get. You're a Belitnikov semifinalist. You're one of the best receivers in the country. Are you a better basketball player than you are a football player? Honestly, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. I, I don't. I, I honestly don't know. I don't. I don't know. That's what somebody else answered. Well, how? What made you make the decision to go football instead of basketball? You, so, had, you had a lot of offers for hoops, right? Yeah, I had um, offers from Virginia Tech and Penn State before I like shut down my recruiting process with them, and then I just wanted to focus on football because football is what like I've done all my life, and that's that's what I love. So I just decided to stick with that. I know you talked about it before, you get the tattoo. Just tell me about buying in when you get here and you committed early and, and locked in on the commitment. But what does it mean to buy into the culture here? What Coach Fleck preaches and, and especially row the boat, which obviously has some special meaning to you. It means a lot uh, personally to me, just being where I'm from and everything I went through in my life and all the tragedies that I've been through. But um, before I got here, I really knew nothing about row the boat. That's just really all I heard. And I got the tattoo before I got here. And I got it because like it was, I'm going, I'm going to that school, so it's going to be a part of my life. So that's why I really got the tattoo. But as I got here and I learned about it, I'm, I'm happy I got the tattoo because you're going to always like go through something in life, and like this culture is just not for football. And as I've been here, I've learned that, and it's like somewhere in this culture, you're going to find something in there to help you get through what you need to get through. So, Take me back to the end of the Penn State game, cameras caught you and PJ having a pretty big hug. What was that moment like? It was just special, you know. Um, I lost my uncle recently. Uh, and it's August. It was like my dad, and like um, now that I'm, I'm away from home, I'm, I'm I'm away from my godfather. So like I really can't be there with him. And like Coach Flett kind of stepped in, you know. And just like that was a special moment. I know for him, and like for me, and like for this university, and for this team. And I just wanted to give him a hug and just like tell him I love him, just for like being there for me. Last one. I know you're focused squarely on Northwestern, and I know Coach Flett will have my head if I try to get you to do anything else. However, when we look at where you guys were when you got here, and where you will be no matter how the rest of the season turns out but the opportunity to have what you guys have in front of you did you guys i don't want to say did you guys really believe because i know you did but is there part of you that's going man we're, we're we got a chance to do some amazing stuff here in the next four weeks not really a lot of people uh on the outside really think that that we thought like that but like when after the season ended uh we after we played georgia tech we sat down with each other, looked each other in the eyes, and it was like, no, it's just going to be different. And when we came back to go to school in January, and we started winter workouts, 
that moment we put our we put our foot down and we the way we worked and the way we trained, we all committed to each other and we knew that this season was going to be special. So we all believed in the process. We all believed in each other. And look at it now, it's, it's finally paying off. Gopher, sophomore, wide receiver, future NFL wide receiver, Rashad Bateman with my TV colleague, Chris Long. Gophers and Northwestern tomorrow morning, locally here in the Twin Cities, Channel 5 has the game. I have a bias. That's my main job. That's my TV job. Channel 5, we are doing a special Gopher Game Time, a pregame show at 10.30. We're also doing a Gopher Game Time pregame show before the Wisconsin game, actually many hours before the Wisconsin game. The Wisconsin game also on Channel 5 a week from tomorrow. That game will kick off at 2.30. So we'll do a 10.30 a.m. pregame show that morning as well. So 10.30 tomorrow morning, Channel 5, 10.30 a.m. on the morning of Saturday, November 30th. It's going to be a fun at least two weeks, if not more than that, when it comes to Gophers football. If it extends beyond that, they'll be playing in the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis that first Saturday night in December. But at minimum, we know that the next two weeks have all sorts of meaning. Then we'll wait and see how the bowl schedule shakes out. I mean, it depends on how the Gophers finish here. I mean, I think Pasadena is still in the picture. You know, the Orange Bowl could potentially be in the picture. What about this matchup? The Gophers against Jerry Kill and Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. How great would that be? I know it's not Pasadena, but that would be phenomenal from a storyline standpoint. As somebody who roots for storylines, heck, give me Gophers against Virginia Tech in a major bowl game, even if it's not Pasadena, because the Orange Bowl would be very, very fun to cover. When we come back, I will pass along information about the Twins kicking the tires on a big-name free agent that isn't a pitcher. Who am I talking about? Stay with us. This is the Scoop Podcast, episode 267, right here on Score North. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Scoop Podcast on Score North on 1500. This is Scoop Podcast episode 267. The Twins have kicked the tires on free agent third baseman Josh Donaldson. Now, there is no sense that they are far down that rabbit hole. If they go further down that rabbit hole, then we can wonder, okay, are you non-tendering C.J. Crone? Are you moving Miguel Sano to first base? But that is something that they are considering. I think they are kicking around all sorts of ideas internally. Among those ideas is acquiring some third baseman, whether it's a free agent or via trade, then moving Miguel Sano somewhere across the diamond. Presumably first base. I can't imagine he moves anywhere else. Nelson Cruz is back, so you know you have your designated hitter. CJ Crone, if you tender him, is on the hook for nearly $8 million. Does it make sense to bring CJ Crone back, or do you look to upgrade? I think they are open-minded to bringing Crone back. I don't think they've closed the book on Crone, but that's just one example of things that they discuss on a daily basis over at target field. The number one goal remains acquiring starting pitching. They continue dialogue with the camps for Zach Wheeler and Madison Bumgarner, among others, but I would put those two guys atop their wish list in terms of free agents. Trade talk is ongoing. I can't at this point pass along specific names, 
But clearly at the recently completed GM meetings in Arizona, the Twins did talk trade with some teams. They are open-minded to doing all sorts of different things. On Wheeler, I was doing Score North Live over the lunch hour, actually over the lunch hour and the one o'clock hour on Wednesday on these airwaves. And I said, Derek Wetmore was in studio. Actually, Nick Anderson, Rays reliever in studio. He was fascinating. He was great on his run with the Tampa Bay Rays. One of the best relievers in all of baseball. Second best strikeout rate in all of baseball this year, only behind Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers, the upper Midwest player of the year. Nick Anderson will be honored at the Diamond Awards. Anyway, right before Nick came in studio, because he resides here in the Twin Cities in the offseason, right before he came into studio, Derek Wetmore and I went back and forth like 1 o'clock to one twenty. You can find that podcast on scorenorth.com. But anyway, I told Derek, hey, the Twins today could wrap up a deal with free agent pitcher Zach Wheeler formerly of the Mets. I don't think he's re-signing with the Mets, so I think we can go past tense there. I think he ends up with somebody else. There's many teams in on Wheeler, including the Twins. I just don't think he ends up back in New York. So I think we can say formally of the New York Mets. I told Derek, hey, the Twins could wrap up a deal today with Wheeler, five years, $84 million. Now, here was the tricky part. I was trying to do math and live radio at the same time. I failed a little bit in that regard. It's more five years at the qualifying offer. The qualifying offer is $17.8 million, so closer to $89 million, somewhere in the middle of $84 and $89 million. I think five times 17 point whatever it is, 17.7, 17.8, the qualifying offer is like $89 million. So I think more like 89 So if the Twins offered Zach Wheeler five years, Closer to $89 million, not necessarily 84 although maybe 84 would get it done, but closer to 89 I think the Twins could wrap up a deal today. So I said to Derek, would you do it? If you were Derek Falvey, if you were Thad Levine, would you make that deal today? You have to give up a draft pick, like the third best pick the Twins have, but you also give up the pool money, so there is that part of it as well. It impacts your June draft class. But if you're the Twins, would you do that today? Zach Wheeler, five years. Let's just meet in the middle. $87 million. Would you do Zach Wheeler today at five years, $87 million? I think if you throw that question out, it's split. I think you could talk to 10 fans that would say, yes, you do that. I think you could talk to 10 more that would say, no, I wouldn't do that. Is he that good? Is it worth going that deep? I mean, that's a lot of term. I mean, I can tell you the Twins were apprehensive to give you Darvish an offer a couple years ago for five years. They eventually budged on that is my understanding. He eventually got six years from the Cubs, but the Twins internally are not big believers in giving any free agent pitcher especially one that is about to turn 30 or somebody who's in their 30s, a five-year contract. That's a lot of term. I think they're open-minded to giving a little bit more money on a per-year basis, but on a shorter-term deal. But there are enough teams in on Wheeler that I do think ultimately, just my hunch, you know, a little bit of an educated hunch, but just my hunch, I think somebody, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it'll be the Twins, maybe it's somebody else, but I think somebody gives Wheeler the five years that he is desiring. But I'm just saying if the Twins want to set the market right now, I think they could get a deal done with Wheeler, but they also remain in on Madison Bumgarner. I don't foresee them signing both Wheeler and Bumgarner, so I think they're trying to play both of those sides, trying to figure out if there's a happy medium, would either take a four-year deal at a little bit higher money. My buddy Matt O'Connell, who used to do all sorts of great Gophers football work for the local Rivals site, Matt was tweeting me the other day saying, why not offer Wheeler four years, $80 million? That's a ton of money. He can re-enter free agency at some point, still make money on the back end of his career. Why not go four years, 
80 million. My comeback to that is I think he is seeking longer term. I just think when you hit free agency, you want that security. So if he can get that fifth year and make more total money, I mean, four years, 80. If somebody offers five years, 89, would he make $9 million at 34, 35 years old on the back end of you know his career and when this contract would expire if he signed a four-year deal? I don't know. I mean, that's hard to predict. So I think if somebody puts a five-year deal on the table, I think Wheeler goes that route over if somebody offers like four years, $80 million. Continuing the baseball theme, the Twins never kicked the tires on reliever Will Smith, who signed a three-year deal with the Atlanta Braves, nor did they kick the tires on Yasmani Grandal, who signed a four-year deal, big money deal with the Chicago White Sox. Yes, the White Sox tried to sign Manny Machado a year ago. Offered him a lot of money. They have a lot of money to play with. Jose Abreu is back. He took the qualifying offer. So the White Sox are looking to upgrade. The White Sox plan on being uber competitive in 2020. Yes, the Twins will have some competition in the American League Central. Who else will the White Sox sign? They are in on Zach Wheeler. Presumably they are in on some other starting pitchers. So we have to keep an eye on the White Sox. But anyway, yeah, they signed Grandall, and the Twins made Grandall a multi-year offer a year ago. Let's not forget that. He bet on himself, signs a one-year deal with the Brewers. It paid off brilliantly. I mean, he signs with the Brewers, what, one year, 17, 18 million, then signs for four years and 72 million. So over a five-year period, Grandall will take home like $90 million. I would say that paid off handsomely. Nice work by Grandall. Nice work by his agent betting on himself and having a good year on that one-year deal with the Brewers. But this time around, the Twins did not kick the tires on Yasmani Grandall. Here are the teams that scouted the Gophers-Iowa game. I was there in Iowa City last Saturday. The Vikings, the Lions, the Cardinals, and Chiefs. As for teams that will scout tomorrow's Gophers-Northwestern game at Ryan Field in Evanston, it's the Denver Broncos and New York Jets. What else do I have written down? A little high school basketball. I've been asked, why did the Gophers miss on Dawson Garcia? It's one thing to lose a kid like Trey Jones to Duke, right? You can understand that. But why are you losing kids to Marquette? Why did Richard Patino and the Gophers lose Dawson Garcia to Marquette? He had a Final Four of Marquette, Indiana, the Gophers, and Memphis. Marquette and its coaching staff did an excellent job. They had the best relationship with him. They sold him. I think you need to go case by case. I do think it hurts the Gophers, whether it's Patino or some other coach, that they haven't produced an NBA draft pick in a really, really long time, right? Chris Humphreys going back many, 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 many years, like 15, 16 years. There's not exactly a rich tradition when it comes to Gophers basketball. Two NCAA tournament victories since the vacated 1997 Final Four run. Hey, kudos to Richard Pitino for leading the Gophers to one of those two NCAA tournament victories. But it's not like there's this rich history. Hey, I love Williams Arena, but I don't think recruits look at Williams Arena and say, yeah, I need to play at Williams Arena. It's all sorts of different factors. I do think the new practice facility helps. That's where the players spend a majority of their time. So I think that helps. But guess what? Just about every program in the country has a pretty nice practice facility. They all, I mean, just about all, have nice practice facilities. So I think you need to go case by case. But I just don't think Patino has, and he's done a better job, by the way. Before I say this, let me know. My sense is Patino has done a better job in the last year of cultivating local relationships than he ever has before. But I think he was playing catch-up. I guess that's the best way to say it. He was playing catch-up 
on Dawson Garcia. I just think the Marquette coaching staff, Woj and those guys, just did an excellent job and blew the Gophers and others out of the water. I also sense, unfortunately, that even though Garcia had the Gophers among his final four, I don't think he ever really was thinking, I'm going to be a Gopher. I don't think, put it this way, that they were runner-up. We know that Patino is not getting Jalen Suggs of Minnehaha Academy. Could he land Kerwin Walton of Hopkins? I was told that Kerwin is going to wait, that at this point it doesn't look like he is looking to sign this period. More likely signs come the spring. He has visited among many schools, Creighton, Arizona, California, Vanderbilt, Iowa State, Minnesota. He hasn't visited, at least I was texting with somebody close to him that has worked with him over the last couple years. I was told he hasn't officially visited Purdue, or maybe even unofficially, although you know what, I should have checked on unofficial, but Purdue was on him early on, but I, at least via text, was not given the sense that Purdue is heavy on him right now or that Walton is heavy on Purdue. Also, Miami, Miami of Florida, not Miami of Ohio, but Miami of Florida has been interested. North Carolina and Kansas at different points have been interested. I mean, I think Kerwin Walton, one of the best shooters in the country in the class of 2020, Hopkins High School, has all sorts of options. If I had to bet at this point, I don't think the Gophers are getting Kerwin Walton. So it looks like the 2020 class is going to be an Ofer, which is not a good look. Now, if you win, who cares? Win, baby, right? That's all that matters. I mean, the players could be from, you name the foreign country. Who cares where they're from if you win? But this year, looks like it's going to be a bit of a wreck. I mean, I was texting with somebody who is firmly, put it this way, very much vested in the program, has his fingerprints on the program. We were texting the other night, and he said, Hey, Dukes, what about the Gophers finishing 500? Can they win 14 games? Can they finish 14 and 14? I started going through the schedule, and I'm like, I don't know. I think that they may finish under 500. So what if they finish 13 and 15 or whatever it is, win 12, 13 games? Then what? But I do think Patino has built some sort of equity after the run he made last March, beating Louisville in the first round of the NCAA tournament, you know, eventually losing to Michigan State in the round of 32. But in these parts, winning one NCAA tournament game, getting to the round of 32 is a really big deal. But I just don't think it's a good look, and I know this. There are people on campus taking notice of local recruits telling the Gophers no. So it's an interesting situation that we'll continue to monitor. Keeping the basketball theme going, John Lohr, Orono High School, former Wisconsin Badger. Speaking of guys that weren't looking to be a gopher, had a great career at Wisconsin, and hey, he's been in the NBA for a long time, but he's a free agent right now. I'm told he actually suffered an upper body injury just playing casually late summer. He will wait until January. That's when teams start buying some guys out, maybe some jobs open up, you know, things like that. When contracts, like right before the deadline, where some non guaranteed contracts kick into guaranteed status, maybe a team frees up a roster spot. So he's hopeful that his phone will ring come right after the first of the year. But hey, he's one of many, right? I mean, there's a bunch of guys. I mean, if you just look at any list, there's some household names, pretty good players that are currently free agents. I've always said there are more NBA players. And jobs available. So many good basketball players on this planet, but there are only so many NBA jobs. On Jake Lehman, if you follow my Twitter, D Wolfson, KSTP, you knew days before that Jake Lehman had a sprained toe. 
My understanding when I was given that information when I tweeted the info a few days ago that he would miss approximately a week. We know he won't play tomorrow night against the Suns at Target Center. Then I guess we'll go from there. As far as next week goes, he'll be reevaluated. But no Jake Lehman, who's been playing well. Nice free agent signing. No Jake Lehman tomorrow night for the Wolves. The Wolves have been busy scouting. They've pretty much gotten a look at all the top players thus far. I was texting with an NBA scout friend of mine. He said he ran into one of the Wolves scouts at a recent UCLA game. I know the Wolves were planning to be in Maui next week. I mean, there's all sorts of different holiday tournaments centered around Thanksgiving. So the Wolves scouts will be out and about very busy the next handful of days. The Wolves undoubtedly, if they haven't already, will eventually get a look at Zeke Naji. Hopkins High School, star freshman for the Arizona Wildcats, off to a phenomenal start. But here are the teams, four teams in the NBA, that have been doing the most homework so far on Zeke. The Boston Celtics, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Charlotte Hornets. On the Vikings, a lot of guys enjoying the bye week. I know Kirk Cousins, a buddy of mine, was on a flight that Kirk was on the other day heading to Atlanta. My buddy's actually on his way to Hilton Head. South Carolina, but I know Kirk has some family. I think the wife's side is from the Atlanta area, so I know Kirk got away for a few days. A lot of guys, C.J. Ham was somewhere tropical, probably still is, probably flies back over the weekend. So a lot of guys escaping town, getting somewhere warm. The Vikings back to work next week. All signs point to Adam Thielen being back. Now, hamstrings can be tricky injuries, but all signs point to Adam Thielen being back a week from Monday in Seattle, Monday, December 2nd, Vikings at Seahawks. Chad Beebe, my understanding is, will be ready to practice next week. Now the Vikings could delay that a little bit. Do they eventually add him to the 53-man roster? But remember him, really good training camp, hurt early in the season. I'm told he is recovering at a pretty good rate, that he'll be in a position to help the Vikings in December if they so choose. The bye will be good, too, for guys like Anthony Harris, who missed the last game. Others, Linval Joseph coming off the knee injury. I don't have, and really, knee surgery. I mean, knee injury and knee surgery. I don't have the latest on Linval, but a big guy like that undergoing surgery. Maybe he's back for the Seattle game, but that's just so far down the road. I mean, you think about it. I mean, 10, 11 days from now is when the Vikings play their next game. So, so much can happen from an injury standpoint in that window. I do know that the surgery that Linval underwent was not of the major variety. So whether it's the Seattle game or the Detroit game or who knows, maybe it's as far out as the Chargers game, but Linval Joseph is expected back before, unless he has some sort of setback, is expected back before the season is over. Former Vikings head coach Mike Tice was on my radio show on Wednesday. He mentioned he'll actually be in town. He's coming to town to visit some friends for the Seattle game. He actually invited everybody, so I'm throwing it out there in case you didn't hear him when he was on at 12.45 on Wednesday. He invited anybody who wants to say hi. He invited everybody to Bunnies in St. Louis Park. That's where he'll be watching the Vikings-Seahawks game on Monday night, December 2nd. I told Mike, I said, hey, so beer's on you? Like, are you inviting everybody? Beer's on you? He said, yeah, you know what? How about I just shake some hands and just make sure those people don't take my parking spot. So beer's definitely not on Mike. Maybe you can talk Mike into buying you a beer, but definitely not on him. But, hey, he said, hey, anybody who wants to drop by and say hi, that he'll be there for that Vikings-Seahawks game. All right, we are going to wrap up this radio show, this podcast. It has been episode 267. Always appreciate you listening. Shameless plug on Twitter, DWolfson, KSTP. A reminder, we are doing a Gophers football special 
tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. on Channel 5 here in the Twin Cities, called Go for Game Time. Joe Schmidt sat down with Pete Najarian. We did a one-on-one interview with Rashad Bateman. Actually, you heard that earlier on the podcast, but I repurposed it in video form. Chris Long also did a one-on-one interview with offensive coordinator Kirk Sharaka. Max Williams sent me a rah-rah message from Arizona. Congratulations to Max on signing a contract extension with the Cardinals, the pride of Waconia, the former Gophers tight end, All-American tight end. Thank you, Max Williams. We'll catch up with Max on this podcast when the season is over, when his season is over come late December. But yeah, shameless plug, please, please follow me on Twitter, dwolfson. KSTP and watch Channel 5 tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. I mean, heck, if you're watching the Gophers Northwestern game anyway, kickoff at 11, why not just tune in one half hour earlier for one half hour of Gophers football, all sorts of good stories and good tidbits. 10.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. Gopher game time on Channel 5, leading into kickoff, the Gophers and the Wildcats. By the way, Northwestern starting running back should be freshman from Maple Grove, Evan Hull. I actually connected with Evan's mom on Monday. She's a sweetheart. She is at the game, or she'll be at the game tomorrow on her way to Evanston tonight. She's great. Yeah, Evan was the Big Ten Freshman of the Week this previous week. Northwestern demolished UMass. He had over 200 yards rushing, something like three or four touchdowns. He was waiting his turn. Heck, he's got a chip on his shoulder because he was waiting for the Gophers to maybe make an offer. And you only have so many scholarships to play with. The Gophers knew who he was. They had some interest, but they did not have interest in extending him a scholarship. They would have taken him as a preferred walk-on, but he had other scholarship opportunities. Kansas State then came in. Northwestern came in. Louis Ayani, the former Woodbury running back, is his position coach with the Northwestern Wildcats. So anyway, Evan Hall, he will play against the Gophers tomorrow. He has a chip on his shoulder because he's upset, right? The Gophers never made an offer. So there's some cool storylines, even though Northwestern isn't all that good this year. So anyway, thank you for listening to the Scoop Podcast here on Score North on 1500. This wraps up Scoop Podcast episode 267. Have a great weekend, everyone.